Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Church in the Basement. We are in John chapter 21. We are at the tail end of the Gospel of John, which is bittersweet. And the interesting thing about John 21 is that back in John 20, verse 30, we read last time, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So we see John giving basically the thesis statement of the Gospel of John, right? And so he could have very well left it at that. He could have left it there at John 20, but he continues on in this very specific moment that, well, several moments that Jesus has with a number of disciples, but specifically Peter. And so we're going to cover this chapter, uh, John 21, in three different parts. And the first part we're going to cover, there's going to be a little bit of overlap, uh, but but the first part is going to be John chapter 21, verses 1 through, uh, we'll go to about 12-ish. So let's read it together, and then we'll talk about it. John chapter 21, verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the, on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, 
come and have breakfast. What an incredible story, uh, as usual with Jesus, right? But we see a few specific things that give us clues as to why John is writing this uh, specific uh, story um, as he closes up this gospel. It starts off there at the Sea of Tiberias. And this was it in Matthew 26, Jesus had said, wait for me in Galilee. So they were there in Galilee, uh, waiting for Jesus, following the instructions. And it says they went fishing. And it, a lot of, I think if you went to like a Bible college um, or you talked to a bunch of theologians, they would go back and forth on why the reasons why Peter went back to fishing. And some would say that he was in the wrong, that he was just leaving the call that Jesus made to Peter. He said, drop these things and go. And that's in Luke 5. We'll read that in just a moment. But, and and some would say, well, they had to eat. They had to do something. They had to provide for themselves. Or maybe they were just sitting there and waiting for Jesus and, and wanting to, to be busy with something. And what they knew how to do was to go fishing, right? But whatever the reason is, we don't know for sure. So we can't make conclusions. That's one of those things within scripture that we can, uh, we can have our own opinions on, or maybe what we see from the character of, of Peter and these other disciples, mainly Peter, because he spearheaded it and the others followed. So some would say Peter was in the wrong. And so they followed Peter and he led them astray or, or whatever it may be. And I'm not mocking that if that's some something that you hold to. But what we do see here is that it's Simon Peter. It's Thomas called the twin, which we talked about Thomas uh, last time. Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. And what is what cues here is is the diversity of who is here. We've got Simon Peter, which we we know that he is a bold, uh, courageous, brash. Uh, he's always there for for the party, for the fight. Um, he's he's the most outspoken uh, from what we can see in the Gospels, and he even makes claims that he cannot hold up to. As last time we saw Peter. Um, before the crucifixion, he denies Jesus three times, right? And that's important, and we'll talk about that uh, throughout these these three parts of of John chapter twenty one, where we'll be covering this. We've got Thomas called the twin, who uh, we talked about as well that he's loyal. Um, he's a thinker, right? He asked that really great question that yielded uh, that really amazing. Uh, answer, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, No one comes to the Father except through me. That Jesus was answering Thomas's inquisitive question. He wanted to know the way, wanted to know where to go. So we've got sort of this working class hero, right? We've got Peter who worked hard. Uh, He was a fisherman. Uh, And it's funny how most of a handful, at least a handful of the disciples were fishermen. Uh, who Jesus called. But then we have individuals like Nathaniel, which we know he um, he was sort of, if, if Peter and a lot of the other disciples were blue collar, this guy was white collar. Uh, he was calling the shots. He was the boss. Uh, he, 
he was higher up on the economic scale of things. And so we see sort of this diversity. Then we've got the sons of Zebedee. We've got James and John and, and, and so, and then two other disciples. So we see a diverse group of disciples here, not just fishermen, but they're just all together waiting for Jesus. And as Peter says, let's go fishing, uh, they went out into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. This is an important detail because we we have to know and understand that that typically in this time they would go fishing at night because the the nets were made in such a way that the fish would be able to see the nets during the day. So at night it was it was harder for the fish to see the nets and they could be more successful in fishing at night, in fishing at night. Regardless, they went back to what they knew. Um, at least Peter was and they followed him in this way. What timeline we can see is that Jesus initially called these guys specifically Peter in Luke chapter five. And there's some important transitions. There's some parallels here, but some important transitions that we're going to see from here on out uh, from the account in Luke five to this account here, pre-cross and post-cross, pre-Jesus's ministry and post-Jesus's ministry. So here we are in Luke five, Verse one, it says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, speaking of Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, soon to be Simon Peter, right? He asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, we toiled all night. Again, there's that time they fished at night. This is in the middle of the day. And he took and took nothing but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in, in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled, the, filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. So in these two accounts, we see a lot of similarities, right? Going back to John uh, chapter 
21, verse 4, it says, Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. So Jesus, again, was on the shore. The disciples did not know it was Jesus. Just like in Luke 5, they didn't, they didn't know who this Jesus was. Maybe they heard, had heard of him, and they got to hear his teachings firsthand from their boat as they went out uh, in Luke 5. But Jesus is now calling to, to them from the shore, and he calls them children. He calls them children. Do you have any fish? And defeated professional fishermen, uh, there was only one answer for this. No, we haven't caught anything. And he said to them, cast the nets on the right side of the boat. On the right side of the boat. Again, day was breaking, so the light was starting to shine in. The strategy of fishing at night was gone. Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So again, just like in Luke 5, this was not strategic for fishing to fish during the day or as the light is breaking into the day. That the fish can see the net, so this was this was kind of a a, a, a ineffective thing to ask them to do, right? There would have to be some sort of uh, supernatural reason why the fish would all flood into the net. So they cast it anyway. They listened to his voice. They obeyed in this moment. They heard the instruction of the Lord, just like in Luke 5, as they hear this guy teaching and he says, go ahead, throw your nets in. There was some form of trust and respect in the voice of the Lord and the instruction of the Lord, even though they didn't know it was Jesus in this moment, even though they didn't know in Luke 5, who Jesus was. They didn't hadn't walked with him. They hadn't talked with him. They hadn't experienced what they had experienced. And in this moment, they didn't they didn't fully know. They hadn't fully seen Jesus yet. But they listened to the instruction of Jesus anyway. So they cast their nets, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And then John the disciple whom Jesus loved. So when we see the disciple whom Jesus loved, again, that's the way John refers to himself. I love it. Said to Peter, it is the Lord. Maybe it was this supernatural miracle that cued John in, or maybe it was just spiritual discernment. We see a depth to the way John writes about Jesus that John could have very well been gifted with spiritual discernment. And he says, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it, heard that this was the Lord, he put on his outer garment. Because again, he was stripped down for work. They didn't work in their outer garments. And he threw himself into the sea. Now, this is something that is huge within this timeline. When, when Jesus initially calls Simon Peter, when he initially calls Peter, from his life of being a fisherman, he, he calls him through this miracle where he instructs them to do something that, would, that was not strategic, that was not the way they did things, but they did it anyway and they saw this miracle happen. And Peter's response initially in that moment was, depart from me, for I am sinful. It's this heart of 
this repentant heart. It's we we see this in Isaiah where where Isaiah says, "I am a man of unclean lips." As he's seeing this throne room scene, as he's in this vision, right? He sees the throne room of God. He falls on his face and he says, "I am a man of unclean lips, coming from a people of unclean lips. I am not worthy to be here. I am not worthy to be here." This transitions now in this moment where the same thing happens, where Jesus shows up and he says, throw your nets in on the other side of the boat. Success was the length or the width of the boat, (laughs) but it was also, it came from the word of God, that their success in fishing came from his specific instruction, that they can, they toiled all night (laughs) And saw nothing. And saw nothing. But when Jesus instructs it and there is obedience there, there is success. And that is a lesson there in its own. How many times have we maybe toiled and wrestled to do things the way, the strategic way, the way we see things working out well doing things at night, so to speak, where we're going to have the most effective results, the most effective results, the way we know things are going to be successful rather than waiting on the instruction of the Lord, knowing that his instruction will yield success, that we will see power happen. And this is in ministry or in anything in life. That when we do things in our own strength, in our own strategy, in our own way, Man, it's hard work. And there isn't always success on the other end. But when we wait on the Lord and we wait for his instruction, there is always success, whether seen or unseen. There is always a powerful result, a powerful result. But we see Peter going from this place of this repentant or or. Um, he just feels unworthy, right? This unworthy heart to now he throws on his garment and he throws himself into the sea because he knows this is his Jesus, his Jesus. Jesus has called them friends and brothers at this point throughout this gospel. We've seen the, the intimacy between Peter and, and Jesus, Jesus and his disciples, but Jesus had an inner circle. It was James, John, and Peter. And, and Peter had this, had this distinct um, relationship with Jesus, as, as we're going to see even further in this chapter. And he throws on his garment and he throws himself into the boat. He is longing to see his Jesus. He is longing to see his friend, his brother, his leader, his teacher, his savior, his Lord, his Messiah. He throws himself into the water. He just wants to see Jesus. He just wants to see Jesus. This transition is so important because we talk about this a lot on the podcast that the only way we see life and life abundantly is in the presence of the Lord. 
is from spending time with him. And I am guilty of spending seasons of my life away from God that, that when I don't come to him daily and open up the word and, and read, read who he is, and then let that lead me into his presence in a, in a place of prayer and spending time with him and listening to him and communing with him and worshiping him. That is where true life comes from. And as these men were with Jesus in the flesh day after day, they experienced Jesus day after day. They got to spend time with him in relationship with him. And when he died on the cross, there was this absence, this absence. We see in the timeline that Jesus calls Peter in Luke 5. He walks with Jesus and then before the cross, he denies Jesus, and then the cross happens. There's this moment of salvation, and then there's this waiting period, the three days, and then they hear that Jesus is back. They see him. He reveals himself in these moments, in these locked rooms for Thomas's sake. But now for Peter's sake, Jesus shows up in a different way, that he shows up on the side of a lake, and he asks for an obedient action once again, for an obedient action once again. And as they follow the instructions of the Lord and are obedient, he reveals himself again. He reveals himself again. And what I love in the next step that we're going to talk about uh, next time together is that what the next step is after, after Peter throws himself off the boat <laughs> so he can swim to the shore and see Jesus is there's a charcoal fire there fish laid out and bread and Jesus asked them to contribute to the meal right the things that they just caught through the supernatural power of Jesus and so Simon Peter looking like this total a brawny, muscular man pulls 153 fish uh, off off the boat and ashore. And Jesus says, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. Guys, this is this is a a picture of what life with Jesus is. That as we're going about life, we are have an opportunity to hear his voice. We have an opportunity to listen to him. And that comes from reading his word and understanding what his voice sounds like, understanding his character and who he is, and experiencing his presence in the quiet places. And these men were called initially. They heard the voice of the Lord. And they stepped into this relationship with Jesus. But in this moment that we're leaning into right now in chapter 21, they had walked with Jesus. They had seen him on the cross. They had seen all the miracles before. And then they saw Jesus die on the cross or at least heard about it because many of them scattered, remember? So at least heard about Jesus dying on the cross and that he had rose from the grave. He had revealed himself several times. And in this moment, we see him revealing himself to them again. Again, we, we won't know for sure the timeline, right? But he reveals himself again on the shore. 
But before they sit down to intimacy, after intimacy, he calls them into a supernatural life led by what? His instruction. His word and his instruction. And as we hear his voice, and as we hear his word, we are called to obedience. Obedience is a huge part of the Christian life, that God will call us to do things that don't seem logical all the time, that don't seem the most strategic. But when we are obedient and we do what he's asking us to do, there are always supernatural and powerful results. Supernatural and powerful results. But it always comes back to meeting with him, meeting in his presence, sitting down to breakfast with him. And this starts the reconciliation of Jesus and Peter that we're going to discover over the next couple of episodes uh, here on the podcast. But I want us to leave here with this question. What is Jesus asking of you right now? What is his instruction? And many times in life, when, when I feel like I'm not hearing the next instruction, it's going back to the last thing that you know for sure Jesus said to you. Going back to the last bit of instruction that Jesus gave to you. And where we find that instruction is by spending time with him in his presence, in his word, in prayer, in worship, in community called the church. He speaks through us to us, through his word to us, in prayer to us. And even as we worship him, he has a tendency of speaking to us in those moments too that these should be healthy rhythms in your life. But what is he instructing you to do? And are you being obedient in that thing that he's asked of you? Could we all dwell this week as, as we meditate on this scripture, John 21, what might be the thing that he's asked you to do? And are you doing it? Are you being obedient in it? The second question is, what does breakfast with Jesus look like? And that sort of tees up what we're going to talk about in the next episode. What does breakfast with Jesus look like for you? Does it look like waking up in the morning? Does it look like staying up later at night, opening up his word, prayer, fasting? And if these things aren't rhythms within your life, How could you set these things up? How could you set up these rhythms where you are meeting with Jesus, spending time in his presence, and hearing the instruction that he is giving you so that you can see his power, his work, and his love manifest in your life? This is the Christian life, that we would meet with Jesus and that we would be obedient in what he's asking us to do. That we would see his kingdom come on this earth, but
But it all starts in the presence with God, meeting with him for breakfast. Let's answer these questions. Let's let this be a blessing to us this week as we meditate on this scripture and let him guide us into the answers. And we will continue with this beautiful story in John chapter 21 in the next episode of Church in the Basement. Looking forward to it.